Hello and welcome to the Weekend Wrap for the week on Wednesday. I am your host, Ben Davison, and it is Sunday, the 31st of July, 2022. And first and foremost, we should acknowledge that Anthony Albanese, Prime Minister of Australia, has put forward the form of words that will make up the referendum question and the form of words that will be the alteration to the Constitution to recognise and enshrine the voice to Parliament. This is one of the key things that came out of the Uluru Statement from the Heart. And as Prime Minister Albanese has pointed out, this was a hand reached out in friendship and it is just simply good manners for us to accept the opportunity to engage with the First Nations people of Australia, one of the world's oldest continuous civilizations operating right here on this continent. And of course, going to Gama, a large festival, big festival, lots of art, culture, music, was really a symbolic moment for Anthony Albanese to choose to put forward the words in his speech that he delivered yesterday. He was on Insiders Today talking about what that constitutional referendum will look like, how that process will work, and credit to him resisting, resisting the calls to lay out every little detail. Details are there. Work has been done by people like Marsha Langton. Uh, you can see it on social media. Uh, James Masola has shared the full document, 270 pages of detail about how the voice might work. As Prime Minister Albanese pointed out, the words that he's putting forward are not words that he has simply conjured up. This has been through five years of consultation and process. It represents the work of many hundreds of people and really is about winning the referendum. In Australian history, referendums are far more likely to fail than they are to succeed. And so it becomes absolutely crucial that the referendum is not fought on the ground that the no vote wants to fight it on, but fought on the ground that the yes vote wants to fight it on. One of the lessons learned out of the marriage equality debate and the lesson learned out of the Republic debate was that if you engage broadly across partisan lines and make people comfortable with what's being proposed, you have a chance of winning. If people feel they have to get bogged down into the detail of every clause and subclause, then they'll feel uncomfortable and they'll vote against it. These are lessons learned in recent times, in recent history. And I think it's really vitally important. One of the things that Albanese said on Insiders Today was that constitutional recognition will lead to better practical outcomes. We've already heard Peter Dutton start to push the no position, that somehow or another constitutional recognition is not important because it doesn't immediately lift living standards. Well, we've had 120 years of paternalistic attempts by Canberra politicians to lift living standards, to help, in inverted commas, Aboriginal people. Uh, and quite frankly, it has not been a great success. And in fact, in many cases, it's been a huge detriment to people. So perhaps, perhaps empowering our First Nations people 
delivering the voice to parliament, creating constitutional recognition will mean that those policies, those programs are done with genuine consultation, are shaped by the people who will be impacted by them and will actually deliver those better outcomes. And it's telling, it's telling that while Anthony Albanese went to Gama again, by the way, it's not the first time he's been. He's been on a number of occasions, I believe around four times he's been to Gama. Peter Dutton refused the invitation as leader of the opposition to attend. Now, constitutional change usually requires cross-party support. Interesting to note, Peter Dutton refusing to attend Gama, yet chose to take a holiday just before Parliament came back where he did a tour of conservative conservative conferences uh, in America. So has time to do that, but no time to attend Gama and what was and will go down in history as a pivotal moment for reconciliation in Australia. But, you know, Peter Dutton needs to understand that not all change to how we operate as a nation requires cross-party support. And in fact, on Insiders, again, they showed some polling. Support for constitutional recognition of the voice has increased in the last month and is sitting around the 70% mark. That is huge. That is massive. This is an issue that goes beyond party lines and, quite frankly, has the potential to redefine people's party expectations. Anthony Albanese's choice of it's just good manners as a form of words to describe why we need to do this is, I think, very, very clever. Or as New South Wales Labor people might put it, very shrewd. Because there are many somewhat conservative people who will feel an element of discomfort about the concept of a third chamber of parliament or that recognition happens before policy outcomes happen. And what Anthony Albanese is pointing out is that for 200 plus years, this country has not recognised that there were people here before the first fleet, that in fact Australian history did not start in 1788. And it is just good manners to recognise the First Nations people of this country in the foundational documents of the country. I think it is very clever. I hope that it will help bring people into the yes camp and people should vote yes for constitutional recognition and the enshrinement of the voice. Now, of course, that's come at the end of what has been a huge week in Australian politics. The first sitting week of the new parliament, the 47th Parliament of Australia, and the very first bill that the new Labor government moved through the House of Representatives was the Aged Care Reform Act. Now, this will enshrine nurses in nursing homes. Yes, believe it or not, dear listeners, there are nursing homes in this country right now that do not have nurses, and our elders deserve better. Of course, there are questions about how we source the workforce, how we develop the workforce. And it is a shame that after a decade of coalition mismanagement, 
that we have to have a conversation about how we find more people to be nurses, how we encourage people to go into the aged care sector. Because there's no question that is a sector where wages are too low. It is a sector that does not have the full skilled workforce that it needs. And this is why Labor also moved to establish Skills Australia so that we can train up people right here in Australia to fill these workforce shortages. There is no shortage of people to do the jobs. There is a misalignment, a misalignment of skills. There is a misalignment of priorities. There is a misalignment of remuneration. Wages are too low in the areas that are most critical and too high in areas where, quite frankly, we could do without. Executive salaries are up, CEO bonuses are up 2.3 million, 2.3 million per CEO. Labor is making big moves in the first two weeks of Parliament. There is, of course, another sitting week this week coming where the 43% emissions reduction target will start to make its way towards the Senate. The 10 days of paid family domestic violence leave will make its way into the Senate. These are critical pieces of legislation. The first emissions reduction target is about how we reshape our economy to be more productive in a low emissions environment, take advantage of the opportunities that that will create for Australia to be a renewable energy superpower, to bring down the cost of energy. We've seen coal generators go offline just to drive up the price. There is a lot of gamesmanship in the energy market and the regulator, while doing the best they can, is hamstrung by a lack of supply, a decade of coalition government where supply was not being put into the system, where renewable energy was not given the priority it required. 10 days paid family domestic violence leave, of course, means a huge life-changing opportunity for so many Australians, particularly women, who are subjected to violence at home. This will provide them with some financial security to change their living circumstance, to stay engaged in the workforce. That participation element, that productivity element. You know, sometimes these policies are painted purely as a social good. And while they are undoubtedly a social good, they are also an economic good. The continued participation of women in the workforce grows our economy, it improves the economic outcomes for households and communities. We also saw legislation to scrap the cashless debit card. This was, of course, a big promise out of the election. And again, it's about winding back the privatisation of our social security system. It's about empowering people to make their own decisions within their own communities, rather than paternalistically telling people that somehow or another the systemic failure to support them into employment is their personal fault, Labor is saying, we will support you, Skills Australia. We will provide more financial support rather than a cashless debit card. Here is the money that you can use to shop at your local grocer to shop at your local farmer's market, to get the best price, not a price determined 
in some kind of rigged oligarchical system that is privatized for private profit. And of course, we've also seen Labor recommit to cheaper childcare. This is so important, so important, not just for the development of young minds. As Van likes to say, you cannot waste a brain. You cannot waste a brain. So, of course, we need to invest in young people and give them the best possible start to life. But it also, again, facilitates workforce participation. Australia has one of the most gender-segregated workforces in the world, and we know that women disproportionately take on caring responsibilities, and we know that their careers disproportionately suffer as a result. And we also know that those caring roles, those caring professions like childcare, early childhood education, aged care, are underpaid because they are predominantly done by women. Reform in childcare, reform in early education will result in better outcomes for women. It will improve productivity. It will improve, it will improve participation. These are all key drivers to how we rebuild our economy. Why are these things so important? Well, Jim Chalmers gave his speech about the state of the economy to the parliament this week. And if ever there was a clear set of reasons why we need to improve productivity and improve participation, it is the picture that Jim Chalmers painted. Inflation is above 6%. It's likely to rise to above 7%. Wages are unlikely to grow in real terms until 2024. Profits profits are up 21%. CEOs are claiming record bonuses. As I said before, 2.3 million per CEO. The National Audit Office found that 65% of the coalition government's regional grants program was given out to projects that were not meritorious. This is scratching the surface of waste, of waste of our money as taxpayers, but also of the opportunity that our country should be providing to our people. To rein in inflation at the moment, requires us to improve supply. It requires us to be more self-sufficient, to shorten our supply chains, to increase the skills, to increase the productivity, to increase the participation in our economy. And yes, unemployment is at record lows, but the monetarist concept, the Friedmanite ideology that would have us sack thousands and thousands of people and smash their Households smash their communities in order to somehow or another drive down demand when the problem is clearly supply. The problem is clearly supply. It would be ridiculous for us to punish working people. There is a problem with profit, not a problem with wages. Wages are still stagnant. Wages are at the same level they were in real terms in 2011. This is beyond, beyond contemptible. The former government, the coalition government, destroyed the buying power of the Australian worker, destroyed it.
At the same time, they propped up corporate profits. They allowed huge levels of waste, not just government waste, but corporate waste. Money was handed out. Tax incentives were given to companies not to invest in productive capacity, not to invest in the skills of their workers, but to prop up profits. And now some of those businesses scream to open open the floodgates to, in some cases, unskilled temporary migrant workers. And we've seen what happens in those circumstances. Those workers are exploited. It doesn't lower domestic prices. It just props up profit. That's why the Jobs and Skills Summit is so important. That will happen in early September because there has to be a different way forward. There has to be a way forward that gives working people the power, the power to raise wages. All those old economic models are out of date, out of touch, and do not work. What we know is that where power resides in the economy, that is where money will go. When power is given to corporations, profits go up. When power is given to workers, wages go up. Government settings determine the framework of power. And that's why it's so important that the Jobs and Skills Summit redresses the balance. The government's fiscal policy, government policies around family domestic violence leave, childcare, aged care, these settings are so important. Skills Australia, so important for improving productivity, improving participation. But the framework of power has to be rebalanced as well. Or else what will happen is the same sort of thing we've seen before, where corporations adjust, they change their footing, they move slightly to take advantage of the new settings and maintain profit, but do nothing to raise wages. That's the real danger here. It's one that I think Labor is alive to, but it is a genuine threat to Australian prosperity. And you would think that in this context, this big existential macro, but also microeconomic situation, environment, that Peter Dutton and the coalition, if not willing to fully embrace and apologise for their failures and mistakes of the past, would at least look to be constructive, would at least look to participate in how we rebuild Australia. Instead, what we saw this week was a Dutton-led opposition totally fixated on former officials of the Queensland CFMEU, on people so obscure that even I, someone who worked in the union movement for the better part of a decade, took more than a day to realise who he was talking about. For the vast majority of Australians, Peter Dutton's week was a total waste. He did nothing to reposition himself or the coalition in the new environment. Nothing, he offered nothing in terms of the voice, in terms of economic improvement, or even just in terms of how parliament should function. Instead, it was back to trying to bash workers, bash unions, and somehow or another, somehow or another, pretend that the link between the Labor movement and the Labor Party was a secret that he had just discovered and exposed to the Australian people. Mr. Dutton, 
I hope that this week coming, where there will be so much important legislation introduced into the Senate, where your party and part parties in coalition will actually have an opportunity to do something constructive, will show that the the show, the festival, the carnival, the 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 disconnected from reality that was on display in the lower house will not translate in the Senate. And that I hope in the Senate, at least, you might find some capacity to be a constructive partner in rebuilding Australia. Of course, the Senate's going to sit. It's going to be a wild time. We know that there's a huge crossbench. We know that Labor needs the support either of the coalition parties or the Greens plus David Pocock or the Greens plus Jackie Lambie or in the highly unlikely event of the Greens and One Nation. Of course, Senator uh, Pauline Hanson has already demonstrated that she will be campaigning against the voice she walked out uh, of uh, the Welcome to Country ceremonies. She refused to stand uh, for uh, the Indigenous senators who spoke in the Senate. It is disgraceful, the behaviour of Pauline Hanson, but frankly, I think most of Australia is alive to what she represents. We should stay focused on delivering those core productivity, participation policies, rebalancing the power in our system so workers can negotiate, can get good, solid pay rises and proper, secure jobs. And will join me again for the week on Wednesday. Don't forget... If you want to rebalance the power in your workplace, you need to join your union, australianunions.org.au slash wow, that's W-O-W. You can join right now and be a member of your union when you walk into work tomorrow morning. Until Wednesday, remember to be kind to yourself and to each other.